0: The Pasco County DEC is providing this podcast as a public service in order to let you know more about the issues and ideas which Democrats have identified as being very important for voters and also to provide a forum for Democratic candidates for office. Our podcasts are open to anyone interested in how Pasco Democrats are dealing with the important issues of the day. You can check out our PascoDems.com website and also on Facebook, Pasco Dems. and the views expressed by the guests and hosts on our podcast are their own, and not the official views of the Pasco County Democratic Party or Democratic Executive Committee. Today's guest is Bob Schiff, someone that Noel and I have known for many years now. A little background. Uh, After earning degrees from Brown University and the University of Michigan Law School, Bob began his career in a private law practice. He moved on to join the advocacy group Public Citizen, which led to a career in the political sphere. He served as counsel to Senator Russ Feingold, Democrat Wisconsin, and the Senate Judiciary Committee for 13 years. Bob retired in 2017 after seven years as Chief of Staff to the Chairman of the National Labor Relations Board. He now volunteers for elections, gives legal assistance to the elderly, and prepares tax returns for low-income people in the D.C. area through a local nonprofit. And I want to welcome you, Bob, here. And what I've done is uh, 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 we're going to talk today about voter protection, how it got started, and so forth. And I would just preface it by saying that we met you many years ago when you stayed at our house on two occasions. Uh, one was when you were working for the Phyllis Brzezinski uh, uh, campaign, and then uh, 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 a while later for the next one, which I believe may have been the first voter protection situation. So tell us a little bit about that uh, that first experience working for voter protection. How to get started and everything, Bob?
1: Sure. So voter protection actually started a little bit earlier. It arose out of the 2000 uh, election uh, and the Bush v. Gore situation, uh, which, of course, originated in Florida. Uh, and after that election, uh, Democratic Party uh, officials uh, said we, we cannot have another election uh, that is decided uh Such a close election decided in a recount without having an operation to try to make sure that a problem such as those that arose in Palm Beach, uh, the Palm Beach area, uh, don't get addressed at the time they're arising rather than after. So voter protection actually started with the 2004 election, uh, the first presidential election after uh, Bush and Gore. And I at the time was uh, headed out to. Wisconsin to work on my boss's reelection campaign. I worked for Senator Feingold, as he said. And on my way out, um, I talked to the, the people in the campaign office that was taking three weeks off from work and going to go volunteer and knock on doors or whatever they wanted me to do. And they said, We're doing, you know, our campaign is doing pretty well. Uh, we understand there's a new program that really uh, needs lawyers getting started uh, to work on. Uh, protecting the voters, protecting the vote. And uh, why don't you do that? That'll shift our campaign, but also be more useful uh, and use your skills better. So I, I checked in with the Kerry Edwards campaign in Milwaukee and started working on voter protection there. And, and that then has continued to be uh, almost uh, every two years, something that I've done as a volunteer. Uh, voter protection is designed basically to have poll observers, people who were trained in election law, uh, at polling places uh, in order to make sure that every voter who was entitled to vote uh, was able to vote. That was the goal of the Democratic Party, It was not to prevent people from voting, not to screen out Republicans, but simply to make sure that the law was faithfully and correctly applied and so that as many people as who wanted to vote would get to vote. And uh, I came after after working in Wisconsin in 2004. I came down in 2008 to work in Florida, having spent the 2006 uh, congressional campaign, as we mentioned, for those Gabbard, working on um, get out the vote and communications uh, for her. But in 2008, I came down specifically to work on the Biden uh, Obama Biden campaign uh, for president, and uh, got tied into the voter protection operation uh, in uh, in Florida. I was based in Tampa and you were kind enough to put me up again. So that was the beginning of it. And since then I've, I've worked, uh, again in Wisconsin several times, uh, in Pennsylvania for the 2012 Obama reelection. I worked in North Carolina for a Senate campaign in 2014. Uh, and then, um, 2018, uh, on a Senate campaign, Tim Kaine, current Senator and former vice presidential candidate who's a senator from virginia in 2020 i again worked on the wisconsin voter protection uh although in 2020 2020 and 2022 i did it from my couch because of course we, the organizing at least was not done in person we still had in-person poll watchers but not uh an operation actually in person during the pandemic okay. so it's been uh, it's been a great ride uh helping out with these programs which have become more and more important as efforts uh, by Republicans to suppress the vote have become more common and more vicious, uh, in my view. Right.
0: Okay. Now, uh, what's the, what is the relationship of poll watching to uh, the voter protection um, idea?
1: Right. So, um, it's a, it's poll watching, of course, is, is done by. Uh, representatives of campaigns, parties, nonprofit groups. There are lots of people who send observers or poll watchers uh, to, to the polling places on election day. The Democratic Party voter protection operation is one of those. And our poll observers, we call them, are trained in the, in the election law of the state where they are working so that they know what the law is and they can explain it when necessary to voters and also election officials. Uh, not all poll watchers are, in my view, as well-trained and well-versed in the law as um, as the, those that, are, that the Democratic Party sends to uh, election places. But their role, from our point of view, is simply to make sure that everyone who is qualified to vote and entitled to vote gets to vote, and that there are no roadblocks put up uh, in front of uh, voters who simply want to exercise the franchise. And that's that's our goal. Um, And we take a, a lot of pride in teaching those who are working through our program, who are going to be poll observers, that they aren't there to try to stop anyone from voting, whether that person is a Republican or Democrat. Okay. But simply to make sure that the law is correctly applied.
0: Okay. Now, what are the some of the problems, the kinds of problems that a poll watcher would be trained to uh, to look out for, and perhaps to assist? Yeah.
1: So, uh, we'll I try to try to take that as. Um, kind of in order as someone is is coming up to the polls to vote. First of all, we often will have people, uh, poll observers, trained poll observers, on the outside of the polling places uh, to answer questions about uh, the voting process, and particularly, am I in the right place? So it could be something as simple as, where am I supposed to vote? And our poll observers have, these days, on their phones, an app that they can quickly look up using the person's address uh, find out if they're in the right place so that that's one thing very simple to make sure someone's in the right place the second thing which has become more more and more important over the years is to know exactly what is required uh, in each state where we have people uh, as far as an ID uh, what do they need to take into the polling place to then be given a ballot uh, and sometimes that's a, just a simple question um, you know, your driver's license is a, is a valid ID in, in every state. Um, but some people don't have driver's license. And for those people, uh, our, our trained volunteers will know what alternatives there are to a driver's license to prove their identity. In a lot of places, it's a photo ID of some kind and something that shows their address, uh, like a utility bill. Um, th- those are often valid ways of proving that the person is who he or she is. Uh, so ID questions are, are very important, becoming more and more important as, as ID requirements have become more significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, there's, there are also issues that arise in polling places where our poll watchers can be helpful uh, in terms of the voting equipment and uh, malfunctions or difficulties that some people have in voting. So uh, you have people who are disabled. Uh, what are the rules in this particular jurisdictions for having someone bring a ballot out to someone in their car? Uh, that's something that's permitted in many states, um, perhaps not all. But our people know what the rules are, and if someone shows up and says, "I, I want to vote, but I can't get inside," you know, there's no way into the mm-hmm. into the polling place. Our people can help them. Uh, you know, yeah. get the, what rightfully theirs, which is the ballot, yeah. uh, and then also if there's an equipment malfunction, uh, we often will. We have a communications operation set up, so all of our poll watchers or poll observers who have been trained also know how to contact a central boiler room, and that's usually where I've been working. You know, for the past uh, seven or eight elections where I've done this, uh, to take calls from poll observers or about problems, advise them. If they're having difficulty figuring out what exactly to do and also communicate with local election officials to say hey you've got a problem with uh, a particular voting machine or with the poll book or whatever the issue is and the person who is running the polling place needs some help can you give them a call or send somebody over there okay
0: now we know as a result of the uh, 2020 election and Trump and the, all the negativity that has been going on, the so-called big lie, etc. How is this sort of thing affected, do you think, the way in which the average American now uh, views the whole voting procedure?
1: Yeah, I think I think that um, there's, there's no doubt that there's more suspicion and there's more concern about conduct at the, at the polling place. Uh, it's more common, certainly, than it was back in 2004 the, the first year that i that i worked on this for there to be uh troublemakers at a polling place or people trying to obstruct those who are voting or trying to make it difficult um in the last election it seemed like uh, that the republicans wanted to train people to be there uh to you know uh the poll observers, but they, what they really seem to be doing in a lot of places, not everywhere, but a lot of places, was kind of being threatening and being suspicious and wondering, is this person really qualified to vote uh, here and uh, trying to intimidate people? Those those are the kind of things that our folks are trained to deal with, usually by taking a complaint to an election official and pointing out that the person who is outside talking to voters and questioning them shouldn't be there under. Mm-hmm. The law of that state. Yeah.
0: What um, do you think? What do you think it could be it's done? to gotten
1: worse, but I also think that, uh, by and large, people uh, who come to observe from the other side uh, realize that there's really nothing untoward going on. Sometimes they have been misled or been, uh, you know, uh, brainwashed into thinking that all kinds of terrible things happen at polling places.
0: Yeah. When in fact, yeah. they don't. What What do you think can be done? Uh, by Democrats or perhaps those in power uh, to try to get rid of this attitude of not trusting? I mean, as you just said, a lot of people go and look at it, they've come away saying, hey, this is nothing going bad in here. Everything's going the way it should. But still, out there in the general public, there's this this, uh, this discontent and so forth. What what can be done to try to counteract that discontent? Yeah, I
1: guess that's not something that I feel like I'm unqualified I'm uh, on a you know, the grand scale to, to make a recommendation on. I think that, um, uh, the, the more open a, uh, uh, a process is, uh, the more, uh, uh, cooperative local officials are in explaining to anyone who questions, uh, the, the election process, uh, how it works and what protections there are against, against fraud or wrongdoing, uh, the better, and, um, and that really, you know, that comes down to training and, and having people who know their job and are confident that they're doing it correctly and are not going to be intimidated um, by okay. people who want to uh, to disturb the process. And I think by and large, I mean, this is this has certainly been my experience in every state, every uh, place where, where I've worked, and that includes uh North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Florida, uh, local election officials take their jobs very seriously. Uh, they work hard and they treat everybody fairly. And it doesn't matter what their own personal party is. They take pride in being part of a democratic process that is, you know, over 200 years old. And um, as long as they have the support from, uh, from the political side, from, the, from elected officials, uh, they, they will
0: do fine. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a, a vision question now, Bob. You've been involved in politics for a long time. You've been retired now for a few years. But back when you were busy working in terms of fine gold and, and the, the, the NLRB, um, well, how would you say that politics... Um, have been viewed differently back then compared to now or is it same thing are politicians generally viewed very favorably or what were what were politicians like back when you were working uh, with senator feingold did you find on the republican and democratic side people did show each other some respect or what was it like
1: yeah, so I guess I, I I push back a little at the idea that things are worse than they've ever been. Uh, you know, it, it may be true, depends on how you measure it, I guess. Um, but there were, you know, when I my earliest days working in the directly in the political process were the days of Newt Gingrich. Um, you know, his his rise to power was, uh, you know, pretty pretty contentious and, yeah. and uh yes you know we can look back to a golden era i guess of democrats and republicans getting along and having a drink after work but uh you know the, those days there a lot of those people um, were racists you know they had a drink after work but there weren't any black people around so there's a there's a flip side i think to a lot of of, of that nostalgia that maybe uh, you know is not as appealing as, as we might like to think, uh, and there were there were very tough battles and and angry exchanges, even dating back to the beginning of my time working in politics. I think that the um, the, the distrust of the voting process has definitely increased, uh, and and that is unfortunate. Um, uh, you know, Bush Bush won the election. A lot of us think that that was unfair, but. Al Gore conceded that election when the Supreme Court ruled that he had exhausted his ability to uh, challenge it. Uh, that kind of, of, you know, fair play and there's a, there's an end to an argument uh, that went away uh, in the twenty twenty election. I think that that's very unfortunate. So that's that's definitely a change. And I think all of us need to be um, more concerned about supporting just simply the Democratic process as opposed to the democratic party i've always thought that if we get everybody out to vote democrats will do just fine
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: the people who are more more likely to be discouraged from voting are often most likely to have views that would be closer to yours and mine as democrats and we want to make sure that they are encouraged to vote that every person uh, you know we're all created equal we all have one vote and Right. Uh, if we can get everybody to vote, then, then the result is something that we should yeah. be comfortable well, living with.
0: I know that locally here in Pasco, we have many people trying to get out the vote, trying to get people registered to vote helping to learn how to vote by mail, uh, despite all the things that DeSantis is trying to do to us down here in terms of making it more difficult to vote by mail and, and that sort of thing. But certainly yeah. from what you're saying is that we simply have as a, as a party uh, here in Pasco to continue to do this and uh, ultimately hope that we will, uh, again, be in a, a, an important part of the political process yeah. here.
1: And that you actually bring up a good point that I... I meant to mention because the uh, voter protection operation um, and program is not just about uh, poll observers and training them, but also uh, assisting people who want to vote by mail. Um, We have an extensive hotline program uh, where people are, again, trained in what the requirements are to get an absentee ballot or to get a vote, you know, a mail ballot. Uh, and to make sure that people know how to do that and walk them through the process and how to do it. And Mm -hmm. all of that is done by volunteers who are answering phone calls in the the weeks and and months leading up to an election Mm -hmm. um, through the voter protection um, uh, program. And, uh, you know, the pandemic showed that we could have a perfectly uh, acceptable election with uh, a whole lot of people never leaving their houses. And I think that's, you know, we ought to be, proud of that and take advantage of that because uh, the more people who can vote without having to go through the obstacles of getting to a polling place uh, that may not be close to them and, um, and casting a ballot, the better.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's, that's, that's an excellent way to end this, Bob. I want to thank you very much for your time and for your insight and for your experience um, and uh, for the record that you have achieved over these years. Uh, thank you again, and I will uh, say goodbye, and probably one day we'll get back to you with some other questions about some other things. Thanks very much, Bob.
1: Thank you, Cal. Take care. Bye-bye.